Pot on the Hill has brought together a series of short-form interviews with members of Parliament, union leaders and workers to talk about some of the realities facing Victorians in this once-in-a-hundred-years event, the global coronavirus pandemic. We've asked our community leaders what is happening in their communities to adapt to physical distancing, how they're helping people in changed industries, and what we've learned about ourselves and each other during this enormously challenging time. If you have any questions you want to ask of our guests or questions or suggestions you have about our collective response, please email podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Little song about a man called Guff and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. Today we have the pleasure of speaking to the member for Cranbourne, Pauline Richards. Pauline, thank you so much for joining us here on Pot on the Hill. G'day Toby, how are you going? I am very, very well, Pauline. And I guess the, the question we've been opening our interviews uh, with as part of this series is, um, how are you? Like, how, how have you found life uh, under isolation? Well, I've been, I'm, I'm well. Uh, Parliament has been sitting this week, so I feel like I have had um, exactly what I needed, which was some time uh, with other colleagues as well. So it's a, a very collegiate environment, um, Parliament. So even though perhaps sometimes it might appear from the outside to be, um, and, you know, rightly, um, the, you know, it's a contest of ideas. It, it can appear to be more combative, perhaps, than, um, than it really is. And so I've enjoyed having that opportunity to um, be involved in the contest of ideas, um, in, in discussions about policy. And, of course, uh, I was very pleased to be able to speak on some legislation that passed the Legislative Assembly this week. So... I feel well, I feel well, but um, generally uh, as a, an extrovert um, or somebody who perhaps gets their energy from other people, uh, like lots of the community, it's, you know, this, um, this period in isolation has been, has been tricky, it's been challenging. And, and I imagine as well, of course, a fundamental part of your role is communicating with uh, members of your electorate, members of the community in general. What have you been hearing from people about the impact that coronavirus has had on them? Uh, so I am notoriously, slightly fanatically enthusiastic about door knocking. So uh, that's been uh, interesting for me. So I've had to change the way that I communicate. I have this very strong view, um, a, a, a view that I've held for a long time and um, that door knocking is good for the soul. So I've, uh, over many years in the, in the Labor Party and in the Labor movement, have spent, um, uh, I've probably uh, spoken to thousands and thousands of people on doors. Um, I door knocked in, extensively in Cranbourne and I have a view that um, if you're feeling a little bit uh, um, out of sorts, then a Friday afternoon door knocking is exactly the antidote to to any um, any feelings of uh, um, uncertainty because people are extraordinarily generous. So because I am an enthusiastic door knocker, I have had to change the way I communicate, and so. I have instead been making telephone calls. So when the um, coronavirus first um, became obviously 
something that was a far greater concern in Victoria than perhaps it had been. So we've been watching, uh, I, I've been watching like most Victorians, the, um, the horror um, of the experience of COVID-19 in um, China and in Europe. Um, and when it became clear that people were travelling to Australia and that we were going to also be um, experiencing the, the the changes in life uh, lifestyle that meant we had to, to start isolating. The instinct, my first instinct, and I, I understand it was the instinct of most members of parliament, uh, was to call people who were over 80. And so I spent the first few weeks um, out doing spending hours and hours and hours actually on the call. So, and it's nothing more important, I think, than letting people know that although my office was unable to take people through the door, that um, my job as a member of parliament is to serve the community. And I wanted to make sure that people knew that we were available, um, my office was available, that I was still available um, to be able to, to support people. And it was actually a really comforting thing to do because I found after making uh, many hundreds of calls that um, people were looking after each other that the I started with the over 80s who were uh, single person households and then moved just to uh, uh, broadly calling over 80s and that everyone um, everyone had somebody who was able to do their shopping for them uh, there were some people in aged care facilities so they were well organized there was a couple of people I was a little bit worried about because they were relying on neighbours, and so we, um, so I, uh, I scheduled to call them back to check in a few weeks to make sure they were still okay. So that's um, that's been a really important step to make sure we make those calls. And then, like everyone else, I think, or like many people, I should say, I've had to learn to operate um, virtually. So. I have um, got an account, a Zoom account now, and um, organised to have meetings with faith leaders, with um, community groups. Um, I spent quite a bit of time calling really important members of the community who serve, um, in a way, uh, people who are experiencing disadvantage. So it's an opportunity for me to thank and, and do a shout-out um, here, Toby, to a woman called Leanne Petridis, who is the... Um, CEO and manager of the Cranbourne Information and Support Service. And so I also spent quite a bit of time calling or having virtual meetings with community leaders so that I could get some insights from them about um, what they were um, experiencing and what I needed to feed back into government. And um, I also spoke to many, many school principals as well because the principals, um, the schools are sometimes uh, not just places of education, but a little bit like the village well, uh, somewhere that people turn to. So uh, that's how I spent a lot of time in the, um, especially in the early days of isolation, um, adapting my, uh, the rhythm of my week so that instead of adding door knocking in as part of the rhythm of my week, just getting on the phone and calling people. And um, yeah, it was good. It was, uh, uh, it's not as, it's not as lovely as door knocking, but having conversations with people and finding out how they're going and um, just checking in was um, was a really uh, terrific way for me to spend to 
spend my time as a Member of Parliament and really reassuring. Well, this kind of naturally follows on. You've alluded to it there, but uh, what have been some of the the, the positive uh, um, uh, activities and encouraging stories uh, that you've seen or heard from members of your community about the different ways people are coming together to support one another? Well, the ingenuity has been extraordinary. So, like I said, the fact that uh, especially some of the grandparents who were finding it tricky had um, done uh, undertaken all sorts of steps. So um, there were people who were learning how to FaceTime. Um, I, I've got an 88-year-old mother myself, and she's given me um, approval to tell people her age. So, um, But people like my mother, um, and there were lots of people like that in Cranbourne who had to learn to use technology um, and were really um, so pleased to be able to communicate with children and grandchildren. So that's always um, terrific and reassuring. Um, the you know being adaptive and and I just mentioned before the Cranbourne Information and Support Service. So I was uh, I did a um, asked um, them to do a video so that we could share it. Um, and make sure that people knew that they were still operating, um, that there was still services available for the community. Um, people were, uh, you know, absolutely looking after each other and finding ways to, to virtually interact. Um, we had a um, we had a an incident that happened with uh, an unfortunate and unhappy incident actually that happened at the local golf course. Um, which is uh, was um, quite disturbing, and um, I can talk about um, the response actually. So I'll, I'll tell the story because I think that the response is a, a really optimistic uh, way of demonstrating why Cranbourne is a, a special place. Um, so the Golf Club, Cranbourne Golf Club, has um, is at the heart of the community and was established in the 50s um, by the Jewish community in response to anti-Semitic uh, experiences at other golf courses. And so it set itself up as a not-for-profit uh, place of acceptance and um, a place, a golf club that actually stands against racism. And so uh, a, a few weeks ago, there was some anti-Semitic and homophobic graffiti at the golf course. And when that happened, um, I spoke to the, the club to give them my support. And I was speaking to a couple of our faith leaders. And in particular, um, I put in a call to um, one of our Sikh faith leaders, um, a, a man called Jasbia, who is, um, I remember responding very strongly to the Christchurch attacks. Um, by going to one of the local mosques um, the next day. And so he's a man whose instinct is always to reach out. And so I had a discussion with um, Jasbir about uh, all manner of things and uh, also had spoken to him about the anti-Semitic graffiti and how disturbing it was. And he immediately convened a meeting um, of faith leaders. And so I was able to... Uh, help support that. So um, we had a representative of the local Uniting Church uh, in Cranbourne, um, Reverend Ray McCluskey. Um, we had representatives of uh, uh, the Hindu faith, um, a woman called Meha, um, uh, a Buddhist community leader, uh, Dinesh Rakodi, and a Muslim community leader, um, all coming together. And um, in one hour... 
uh, Jack Beer, uh, the Sikh faith leader, uh, was able to come up with, uh, together with the community, um, faith, the community leaders, um, a statement of solidarity um, with the golf course. And I thought um, that perhaps in normal circumstances, it's often quite hard to get a, a statement together with four paragraphs of, um, uh, of support talking about the importance of not just tolerating uh, diversity, but embracing diversity. And I did wonder whether in normal circumstances we would have been able to act so fast. But there's something that's a little bit heightened at the moment, so we're all a little bit heightened, and it's made perhaps people be a little bit more collective in response and act quite fast and be able to come together in a Zoom um, forum and make a statement and video it. So that was a moment of real pride for me as a, a, the person that represents Cranbourne, that, that the overwhelming initial strong response was one of not just solidarity, but that very quickly um, a faith leader said their role was to come together and make a statement in support of our Jewish sisters and brothers. Mm. And so... I wondered whether, if not for the fact that we are socially isolated, whether it would have happened quite as fast mm. um, and with such um, definition. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Perhaps it wouldn't, but that's just an example of what I'm proud of in our community um, and also maybe an example of something that's a lesson that's been learned from isolation, that we can act quickly come together uh, virtually, make a very quick uh, and strong statement um, together mm. and um, issue that statement out to the community. And I know that it was um, Paul Hamer, was, um, who is uh, the member for Box Hill, uh, joined the call and, and talked about the parallels that the, some of the Chinese community are feeling um, in terms of racism and, and the importance of you know, strong statements from faith leaders um, at you know, at a time when perhaps there are experiences around the world and um, and experiences in our own communities um, of people uh, being isolated because of their race, and that this um, this new way of us working, this new way of coming together uh, and and making a statement in support of um, one part of the community who is being uh, treated poorly also is a comfort to other parts of the community who similarly are experiencing uh, the the horrors of racism. Mm. Um, what a great uh, what a great story and a, as you say, like just a perfect example of I think what something we've learned actually about Victorians over the past very very difficult few months is when one looks around the globe and sees some of the enormous challenges and the chaos that coronavirus has caused, it, it does seem like Victoria has weathered this quite well. well. What do you put that down to, Pauline? Well, it's interesting. I'm going to quote Lisa Fitzpatrick, who is the Secretary of the Australian Nurses and Midwives Federation, the ANMF, and some evidence she gave at PAYAC, the Public Accounts and Estimates Committee, a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, so Lisa is a very articulate community leader and voice of common sense and a, a woman who is not just um, a, um, a community leader but a, a woman who represents our most trusted profession in nurses and midwives. And she said that she recognises that some people think it's luck and some people refer to Victoria as having been lucky, but that it's actually not luck that has um, presented us with some really outstanding results. It's excellent leadership and it was a commitment to following scientific advice. So making a decision that we need to put popularity aside because what we needed was strong leadership. And strong leadership meant taking somebody like uh, Professor Sutton's advice as the Chief Health Officer and acting on that advice, regardless of whether it made government popular. And so I attribute what has been so far a, um, a, a response to coronavirus, which has saved potentially thousands and thousands of lives if we look at other countries like uh, the United Kingdom, the United States and and Europe, uh, learning the lessons and even though there hadn't been a lot of time for there to be analysis of the experience of COVID-19 in other countries, but learning the lessons, uh, applying science and public policy based on on advice and making decisions that are clear and communicating those decisions with clarity. I think people responded to the Premier's clarity and the Premier's leadership and those public policy decisions because they saw that we were acting all together, that we had to uh, take uh, um, take action that was against sometimes our own personal interest for the good of the broader community. So I can say, having just um, you know given the example previously, that I have a, an 88 year old mother and a, an aunt who is older again, that it was really important that we protected. To my mind, we protected those members of the community who were more vulnerable, and I include my mother and my aunt in that. So for us to do that, um, we had to take collective responsibility. And I can say I've got a, a brood of kids uh, myself, and I was interested to see that they perhaps um, verbal, verbally recognised that they were at lower risk because they're healthy and that the evidence from overseas was that young people are at less risk. Um, but I was surprised not the surprise perhaps, I was delighted that they didn't hesitate to decide to download the app um, and they didn't hesitate as well to to take those actions, those um, uh, steps to, to stay at home and they saw it as being the steps that they needed to take for the good of um, the elder, the those members of the community who are older. So what I attribute what has turned out to be um, uh, some really positive results and there's been you know, tragic deaths in Victoria 
but overwhelmingly we have um, flattened the curve in a way that uh, was the envy of the world and I think it was clarity um, of leadership, um, clarity in communication and a rock-solid decision to follow scientific advice and to make sure that that scientific advice is um, at the front and centre of, of all of our policy decisions. So uh, Lisa Fitzpatrick is, um, is a woman that I, I listen to uh, carefully and, and closely because I think that her insights as a nurse and, an in, and her insights representing the nursing profession um, were really valuable and, and in that context that the Public Accounts and Estimates Committee, when she said this isn't luck, I thought, okay, I'm hanging on to that. I, you're, um, you're right. It's not luck. It's, um, it's science. It's leadership. It's clarity. Um, it's, it's letting people know that, that, that the, the good of everyone, the, um, the, the health of everyone in the community needs to be um, considered and, and we needed to buy time. The Premier was very clear that we needed to buy time so that we could be ready, the hospital system could be ready uh, for, um, for what looked like um, an impending uh, tsunami of, of, of people who needed to go into hospital. So uh, I think he used the term um, that um, he thought Governor Cuomo would be grateful to have that extra time and I think that that was really important. Mm, absolutely, Pauline. It is a good reminder that you don't get through challenging periods like this through luck. Just one final question. Do you have any reflections for future generations who might face a, a crisis like coronavirus and, and things that have really stood out to you? Toby, one of my reflections and one of the stories I've been telling as many people as I can is the, the ability for uh, the optimistic in us uh, to innovate. And we had that demonstrated spectacularly in Cranbourne. Um, I'm fond of saying that the SIG volunteers in Cranbourne are the pride of the southeast. So people might be familiar with the SIG volunteers because during the bushfires, they drove to um, to the fire ground and was supplying uh, supplying food um, that uh, was really important to the communities in bushfire affected areas, but also to uh, emergency services. And this same group of people, having had no time off over summer, volunteers in Cranbourne turned their their experience on the fire grounds towards responding to people in need in Cranbourne and the southeast. They supply high quality vegetarian food to people who were isolated or people who are experiencing disadvantage. So the Sikh community in Cranbourne live their faith in a way that um, I've learned so much about and they set up um, these people have day jobs and as part of their role their voluntary role in the SEG volunteers established a, a system um, their engineers and they used um, established an app um, for people to use on their phone and the app was meant that people who needed meals free meals delivered to their home were able to request um, a meal and the Sikh volunteers had a system of people coming to collect 
the food uh, socially distanced in a, in a way that adhered to requirements for social distancing. And they had they have made thousands of meals using this app that then delivered the food to people's doors and sent them a message to say that the food had been delivered, but there was no contact. It was an extraordinary example of ingenuity um, and an extraordinary example of a, a group of volunteers really demonstrating the best, the best of the best of our, us, the best of Victoria. And I'm being a bit parochial, I suppose, when I say the best of Victoria. But we are we are a, a state that has um, something a little bit special. And to and so I would say to uh, future generations, you know, look look towards each other and see how you can be, uh, how you can innovate and use those skills as part of the collective. I am a ridiculous optimist. Um, and so I do tend to uh, expect people to behave well. And I think that my optimism was uh, very well founded in this, um, in this pandemic. People did look after each other and the SIG volunteers in Cranbourne uh, were perfect examples of that. Mm. Well, what a fabulous note to end the podcast on. Your your optimism is um is quite infectious, Pauline, and no doubt as we are hopefully able to continue relaxing uh, coronavirus restrictions, hopefully you'll be able to get out and uh, and hit the doors uh, once again in the near future. Absolutely, no stopping me. Thank you so much for joining us here on Pot on the Hill. No worries, Toby. It's been a pleasure.